Welcome to the Shine Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Canadian, and I am so grateful that you are here. I'm a wife, mother of three boys, certified massage therapist, and an alcohol-free lifestyle and recovery coach who helps driven women break through their alcohol dependency without the traditional 12-step program. Each week, I will bring you inspiring guests with focus on mindset, health, and spirituality, providing you the tips and tools to help you create unshakable confidence, clarity, and energy so you can unleash your creative potential and live the life of your dreams alcohol-free. So tune in for some fun, and if you are ready to shine, welcome. Welcome back to the Shine Within podcast. I have a very special guest, Paulina Panteleva. She is a wife, mother of three triplets, and works as a medical doctor. In 2023, she wrote a book entitled My Secret Life as a Sex Addict, How I Repaired the Damage. It's about her raging sex addiction and co-addiction with binge and disordered eating, which she suffered for over 30 years. With lots of therapy, insight, spirituality, and the process of writing her book, she has completely transformed her life. And I'm so lucky to speak with her today. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Paulina. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Gina. I'm very excited to be here. Of course, my pleasure. And I also want to congratulate you and commend you for writing this book because I'm sure it took a lot of courage for you to write this. And I'm, I, I just know it's going to help many women who, are, who can relate to your story. I wrote the book for myself first. It was a healing process. And as a result, I think it will help many other women or their partners as well. But it was for selfish reasons that I wrote the book. It was it, totally to put all the pieces of the puzzle together for myself. That's beautiful. I love that. Now, before we get into sharing your story, I wanted to ask you the significance of the picture of the uh, Kintsugi, <laughs> Kintsugi vase yes. on the cover of your book. Oh, yes. A, um, a Kintsugi vase is um, from Japanese culture. Um, it is a vase that has uh, been broken. And instead of uh, regarding the vase as a piece of garbage um, in Japanese culture, the vase is repaired with gold lacquer holding the pieces together. And the more repair that has been done on the vase, the more valuable the vase is. So I used that um, that imagery as the epigraph for my book, which means that that is the the theme of the book is that even though um, there was a lot of broken pieces in my life, now that it is being repaired, I am that much more um, valuable because of it because I have new wisdom. I have insight and knowledge into the cycle of addiction. I understand myself better and all these things, of course, when there's any hardship in your life, as you well know, because you've also had a similar journey, it makes you a much better, stronger, more valuable person. Absolutely. And we just grow stronger and stronger each and every day. And uh, if you don't mind to share exactly your story and how how it all came, how it started, I should say. Yeah. So um, I 
wrote the book um, as a, at now at age 50. And what brought me to this point in my journey was that I was um, at that time, I was 49 years old and I was going through the worst binge eating episodes of my life. I was just completely out of control. I was gaining 30 pounds in, in three months or less. And, and that was a common cycle that I would go through where I would gain and lose 30 pounds from one year to the next. And I'm five foot three and 30 pounds is, is a lot for me. And um, I was just completely out of control. And I um, sought out a diet recovery coach, proper help with that. So th there's there, diet recovery is a much more common and mainstream type of therapy. My healing came about was was due to the coaching. Um, but as far as how my um, my sex addiction started, um, it started like 99 to 100% like all addictions. It it comes from childhood trauma. So in my situation, I had um, some sex molestation uh, between the ages of eight years old and 11 years old. And, and um, I have since learned, you know, that definitely creates um, a hypersexualization of um, a man or a woman, or it could go the opposite way. It can cause hyposexualization where a person wants nothing to do with sex. So in my situation, of course, it, it caused hypersexualization. And at age um, 11 or so, when the sex addiction, when the sex molestation came to an end, binge eating, where I was uh, babysitting for someone and I was, uh, it was an opportunity to uh, eat candy and um, hide the wrappers and eat like um, a pound of cheese and dispose of the, the, the rapper again. And so that was the origins of, of my sex and my food addiction. Um, and I have since learned that there's a, a very close um, correlation between sex and food addiction. Um, they kind of go hand in hand. And it's something you, you may observe like in, in other women, like if you look at um, like former uh, porn stars, or you know any any woman who I don't want to say sex worker, but like even like models like um, like sexy model or um, something where they're sexualized. Sometimes when they leave that type of work, um, you see their weight balloon. And I I think you know some people may interpret that as like oh you're not in front of a camera or you don't have to do that type of work. Something in our brain where the sex and the food centers are very close to each other and um, one replaces the other and it, and it flip flops. Um, and I address that in, in my book. Thanks for yeah. sharing. Yeah. I didn't realize there was a correlation between food and sex, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because I, first off, like I said, I commend you for actually seeking help than for even eating. Some people don't even get help and they just, just don't ask for any help. And so that is wonderful that you're able to go ahead and, take care of that part and then like miraculously that actually helps you with curing your yeah. not curing I should say <laughs> with, oh, yes. you're cured you're I'm cured, cured. <laughs> yes. I guess because yeah. you're a doctor <laughs> yes. 
but to uh, help you with your overcome your um, sex addiction because you yeah. don't hear too many women about having a sex problem. You hear yeah. men constantly, or they'll use yeah. that as an excuse, or use that mm-hmm. or that. Yeah, you know. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about how it affected your family. I know you have uh, triplets. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. three kids, yes. beautiful kids, and a husband. Yeah. And yes. how that affected your, your family. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the, the evolution of um, the sex behavior, uh, I mean, a, as a teenager or as um, a college kid, it, um, at first, you know, it came off as normal. I was, I was very promiscuous. I was definitely sex obsessed. And I, would, I was always running off with, like, with boys playing hide and seek or w- whatever game or, or opportunity there was to like have a makeout session or, you know, um, hang out with boys and just like do sexy time. I, I was always there. I, I got married, um, at age 22 to my college sweetheart. And it was, I was still relatively young and, um, I went to medical school and in my fourth year of medical school, I had, um, triplets. Um, I gave birth to triplets. They were severely premature. And after um, I had triplets, I stayed home one year and to raise them. And it was very stressful because they had a lot of complications, especially one son. Um, He's still permanently disabled as a complication of prematurity. And that, that actually played a big role. His disability played a role in, in my acting out on my sex addiction, because I carried guilt that I caused his disability. And even though I didn't um, display this guilt like in in my regular daily life, because you're going to suppress those types of negative feelings, but I deep down, um, I, I felt guilty. And so what that caused me to do was to, to punish myself, like guilt requires punishment even though I didn't think of it in those terms at that time. And I would um, act out on my sex addiction and acting out meant um, that I would go on websites and seek hookups with strangers. If there was uh, like a business trip or some sort of opportunity for me to be away from um, my house and my family, I would, um, go like clubbing or find um, a hookup situation. So my my first marriage dissolved after uh, five years or so. I mean, the the sex addiction was, it was, it played a role, but the, it was just multifactorial, just the stresses of having triplets and financial insecurity and all of things in life. Um, but then I, I met my now second husband and I, of course, wanted to be monogamous and not cheat, quote, but my compulsions would often um, override any any hope of um, being monogamous. So there were multiple instances where I would um, get caught, basically, and me being devastated, crying, you know, begging uh, for his return stalking him almost like, you know, trying to get him back. And this cycle repeated several times. 
And of course, that's very um, traumatic to my family, my, my kids, to um, my husband. Um, he definitely has um, betrayal trauma that he is still recovering from. So it caused, uh, my behavior caused a lot of devastation. And I, what I wanted to address here was that, you know, some people um, say, oh, like sex addiction, it doesn't exist. It's just an excuse to cheat or like, that's what, you know, men say, like when they, they get caught, you know, hooking up with the babysitter or whatever. So this is my rebuttal to that. Um, why it, it really does exist. It's um, I, so I, my role model in terms of um, addiction medicine is Dr. Gabor Mate. He's a, a Canadian family medicine doctor, and he has a very simple definition of addiction. And the, the four criteria for any addiction are number one, um, strong craving. Number two is short-term gratification number three, long-term consequences, and number four, can't stop. And there's no problem like with, with having a lot of sex or having like weird sex or like kinky sex. So that, that would, you could do that all day and all night, all you want. And that would be number one and number two on, on that list of the four things that define addiction number three and number four that make it the addiction. It's the long-term consequences and the can't stop part. So um, if you cheat once, you know, and you have, you know, some um, repercussions of it and you learn your lesson, then that's, that's just cheating, I would say, or that's just, you know, you know, normal human behavior. But if you're repeatedly doing this, and you don't want to do it. Like, I want to stay true to my husband. I want to be monogamous. I want to follow, you know, the, the expectations of our relationship, but I, I cannot stop. I, it, it's a compulsion that is not in my control and the long-term consequences are huge. I am um, exposing myself to STDs and my husband to STDs. There's, just the lifestyle difficulty, like, um, you know, time is like a pie. I, I can only have so much energy, like to go to work and take care of the kids. Um, and then to go out, you know, and hook up with someone, I'm going to be exhausted the next day. So there's consequences of just my energy and fatigue. There's um, consequences to the quality of um, me as a doctor and me as a mother. Um, because I am um, acting out and not feeling good about myself. So there's many long-term consequences and still I do this. So the, the fun part is, is over just like any, in any drug addiction at first, you know, like if you're high on cocaine or alcohol or, or whatever drug and, and it's euphoric and it's fantastic. And then at some point, it, it stops being fun and you're just out trying to maintain your being normal. So that's where I was. Yes. Thanks for sharing that. It's hard. Addiction is very difficult. And I, I was also molested too, when I was from the ages of six to 12 years old um, by, by a man that the family trusted. And 
I noticed growing up, I felt like I was very promiscuous, you know, and then I was at a very young age, started make, doing acts of things. And then I have like even lost my virginity at age 15. And then from there, just had boyfriend after boyfriend, or if I didn't, if I was single, then I, then I was drinking. And then from drinking, then I would have these random hookups, you know, and it was just mm -hmm. like a cycle. Um, and I don't, I mean, obviously, I don't have that right, right now. Um, I'm married and, you know, I have one partner now, but I noticed I had that behavior and that pattern. It was just like, a, it was like my lifestyle. And I wanted to ask you, like, and I was reading in your book that it wasn't just the act of sex. It was more like the fantasy. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the actual sex was always disappointing. And it was the the hunt or the chase or the fantasy of the person that was the the high for me so for example i would i would be on a website and i would see someone's photo or their description and i would have like these fantastic thoughts in my mind of like oh he's like so hot and we're going to like have this amazing you know, sex and, and, and um, like, you know, whatever, um, whatever they would write, it would like, I would turn it into something fantastical and like mysterious and fun. And, and then of course, when I see this person in real life, it's like a huge disappointment because they're not as cute as their picture. And then the actual hookup is like total disappointment. <laughs> so the, it wasn't, ultimately it wasn't about the sex at all <laughs> it was all about the fantasy of it and a lot of um my addiction was um just in my mind just like uh planning um obsessing over situations there's a uh, one um a situation i write about with um a, a hypnotist that i went to for weight loss and a lot of that affair was um, me fantasizing that um, that the hypnotist and his wife would be friends with me and my husband, and we would have like dinners and hang out together, and then hook up and swap like husband and wives, and we would have this like really like peaceful, fun, sexy orange type situation It'd be like no hard feelings and everyone would be happy and it would be all you know puppies and rainbows so that's um and and that is not realistic because you know my husband wanted wants nothing of that the hypnotist was a, actually like a very uh ugly person inside and out and his wife likewise so, so but i created this um scenario in my mind and that I did that over and over again. So that was, um, that is the real um, juice of, of the sex addiction because the, the sex, it's, it's not about the sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Imaginations, you know, we have big imaginations mm -hmm. and we just fantasize things in our head and then, and then some apps, some don't, you know, um, and it just happens. Now, have you ever encountered any like scary, scary experience? Yes. <laughs> you know, so I thank God every day that 
I'm alive, of course. Um, and, and that is like most addicts, I'm sure. Like there's been so many opportunities where um, I could have ended up dead in a trench, I say. And um, so like, you know, one example was um, I had an online date that I went on and the guy was like, you know, not attractive, not my type at all. But of course, you know, I hung in there. And um, when it was time to drive me home, I, I was in his car, he uh, pulled into like a dark, like warehouse type of um, setting where it was like pitch black, dark, and just very remote and isolated. And, you know, he he leaned over, started making out with me. And I w did not want to have anything to do with him. But I went along with it because I didn't want to be like, you know, those like Dateline episodes where, you know, um, I, I anger the person and then like they start choking me and I end up dead and I'm never going to see my family. So I would have sex with this. I had sex with this man just uh, so that he would not be angry and that I would come home. Now, I could have totally made that up. I could have perhaps said, you know what, I, I'm not into this please stop, take me home. And it would have been fine, but I didn't even want to risk that. So, I mean, it sounds silly now, but that's in the moment. I I guess I felt some kind of like mild sense of danger or maybe like, because I was so, um, you know, it, easy to have sex with that. I was just like, okay, let me just get this done so I can go home. So um, there's many uh, situations that could have ended poorly, such as that one, and also just the risk of, of STDs, which fortunately I escaped that, but there were other health consequences to, to my addiction, such as, you know, I, I ended up having cancer at one point in my life at age 40. And while, you know, initially it sounds like it may, is not related, it absolutely is related because my mind was sick. And when your mind is sick, it makes your body sick. It's the mind-body connection. I was also very angry at, at God at that time because I thought, you know, God gave me cancer to punish me or like to teach me a lesson. And um, really it was I who gave myself cancer. Um, but all the these revelations are more recent. It's as a result of um, my coaching that I have done in the past year. Wow. Yes. You know, they say dis disease is like dis-ease in, you know, within the body. Mm -hmm. And we do create that and we can also reverse it as well. Um, you're a medical doctor. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sure it was yeah. very, uh, challenging like i mean like i've talked to so many cancer survivors and i'm just like wow you know to 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 survive and to live is just like a like a whole new reawakening you know and then start like a like a fresh start into life and mm -hmm. then you said that you met your your coach can you tell mm -hmm. me how you discovered your coach yeah. and how she mm -hmm. helped you yes yeah, so um I discovered her on a social media post. Um, she was uh, just advertising her services and she um, just uh, kind of resonated with me because up until that time I was, 
I mean, I've read so many self-help books. I've read books about um, how to overcome binge eating personalities that were like into healthy living, you know, exercise and healthy eating. And I, it, none of these things um, could help me. Like I would, I would try and I would have like a, a short period of time where I would be healthy and on the wagon and then, and then I'd fall off and, you know, eat the house and so on. So, um, so coach Dana, she, she just like spoke my language. I, I didn't know exactly. I've never heard of a diet recovery coach until I came across her. So um, that's why I guess it resonated with me. And it was, she would say like, are you a person that um, is hyper-focused on your body? Like, do you pick yourself apart? Do, um, do you do exercise that is like over punishing to yourself? Um, are you, you know, it was like a little quest series of questions and I was like, yes, yes, I do all these things. And so the way she helped me was she, she had um, like a, a 12 step module. It's not a 12 step program, but it's like a, a lesson plan one per month um, to address different aspects of your psyche to, to overcome um, food disordered eating basically. So the thing that she helped me with the most was the spiritual part because I had a very um, bad relationship with, with God. I, and, and, and I'm not like religious and I'm um, but I believe in a higher power and I was angry for so many things. I, I, I was angry that, that, I, that, that God gave me a disabled child because uh, he wanted to punish me. But in doing so, it was my child that was punished with a disability. I was angry that I had cancer when I was a mom to triplets and I had so many responsibilities. I was angry at so many things, like all, all these bad things that happened over the years. And what Coach Dana did was that there was a soul contract is what she called it between myself and, and my disabled son so that no matter what I did or didn't do, it would have played out the way it did because our souls chose to be in this life together in this arrangement. And perhaps it was not our first time on this earth and we had to um, finish what was started perhaps in other lifetimes. And even if she's completely wrong, I said, even, even if um, that's total nonsense, this soul contract and, you know, having it play out this way, it, it is such a more peaceful way of thinking about the situation and about our life that I chose to um, embody that type of thinking. And it, it disarmed my, my anger and my guilt right immediately. And from there, everything kind of made more sense about how because I felt guilty, I sought out punishment. And because I was so, I had debilitating stress between being, from being a doctor and financial responsibilities and having three kids and one with a disability, I would, on the one hand, try to escape my, my problems. But in so doing, I created more problems for myself. And it was like this vicious cycle. And, and also, I 
from my sexual molestation as a child, even I had guilt even at age eight and nine, because I thought that I encouraged the sexual molestation or that I um, enjoyed it. And that's why I, that's why it happened more and more. And Dana kind she disarmed all these beliefs and that enabled me to, to um, forgive myself, to have less guilt. Um, and by those things lifting, it, it lifted the um, compulsions as it related to food and, um, and the sex addiction. So it was, it, it wasn't easy and, and it's still, you know, ongoing, but she was the only one to effectively put this perspective on it. Um, so I'm very grateful to her. That is so awesome that she found a good coach, mentor, mm -hmm. and her name is Dana? Yes. Dana? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Because yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. hard to find a proper coach, you know, it takes time and you have to want to trust them and then to open up like that takes a lot of courage. And I wanted to actually go a little bit back and ask you, what was your breaking point when it came to your sex addiction? What was it like, you know, this is mm -hmm. it, like, I, I need to, I need to change. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, at age 48, it wasn't because I blew up my family at age 48. And, uh, what happened was that I went to, um, a tango dance class, a group class. It was the first class and the instructor, um, just, uh, magnetically, we, we, um, there was like, magnetism or or an attraction basically and over the course of three weeks that fantasy world that I created in my mind um got completely spun completely out of control to the point where I wanted to break up with my husband after um knowing this man for three weeks and I declared to my husband um, that I wanted to break up with him. I told my children, I told my parents, and um, and we broke up basically. And the same day that we broke up, this um, tango instructor um, asked me for for money, and I realized that I'd been like manipulated or taken and it was a combination of him manipulating me and and me just having this disorder of the the sex addiction or the love addiction or the this fantasy addiction so um that was the breaking point because i was like i i'm 48 years old and i still do this i still don't have sanity in regard to this. So I needed help desperately, but for the sex addiction, it's much more difficult to find help um, because it's more shameful. I was, I looked up all these therapists online and every therapist that I went to their website, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't feel like talking to this person or that person. Um, you know, 
sex addicts anonymous that was like out of the question like I would I wouldn't feel comfortable with that I was looking at books to read and they were all like either oriented towards men and, or like porn addiction and uh, or they were like very clinical written by psychotherapists um they just no, nothing resonated with me at all so I white knuckled it and like tried I learned my lesson and I will never do this again but that um episode is what threw me into the binge eating episode of all like, I couldn't I couldn't regulate my eating I couldn't regulate my sleep my mood anything it um everything was a mess and that's when I uh really sought out the diet recovery coach Yes, I see. But then your husband has been so supportive because you are you are back together now, right? Yes. 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 And uh, um, do you find that he's still trying he, to? What I was going to say is like with your husband, did, did it take some? I mean, obviously it's going to take time. Is it still? Are you still in the process of mending your relationship? Yes, all every day. Um, he's traumatized by everything. Um. He is also a little re-traumatized because I wrote this book and I'm talking about this on podcasts now. So it, it you know, everything is stirred up again. Um, but I believe in divine intervention and he is my angel from heaven. I, I, it's very corny to say that, but I truly believe that because he um, has kept me safe over the years from myself. Like if, if he wasn't in the picture I would have acted out much much more even more out of control um he helps me with life and I'm forever grateful to him so I am trying to make amends to him and my process of making amends um is that you know I tell him every day how much I love him I give him a kiss a hug um I tell him I appreciate him I apologize for the past, even though I don't, it kind of is more upsetting than it is helpful sometimes, but sometimes I don't know what, you know, what to say. And I show my, um, my love, you know, with the, it's the five language, love languages theory, you know, try to do acts of service. I um, show physical affection. I tell him with my words, um, with gifts, wh- whichever way I can. And um, that will be lifelong because of course, you know, he, he has forgiven me, but it's not forgotten. Um, the same person as when we first met, um, where it was more innocent and trusting, you know, trust has been broken so many times that even though this time I say, okay, this is it for good. Like I'm, I'm, I'm healing. I'm in control now. I'm always that little, um, you know, glimmer of suspicion or that the, the trust is not a hundred percent. So I, I will forever be working on that. Yes. Yes. You know, that's so awesome that you have a supportive husband and family that love you. I was going to go ahead and also ask you when you still do, well, first off, do you still get urges? Um, much less now because I am rather fresh in my recovery. So I'm very, um, steadfast, for now, um, 
I know that I am susceptible to it. And I do like, you know, I'm still human. And yes, my mind has like wandered a, a little bit, but the difference is what you're, if you can stop the actual action, like it, we're all going to have, have thought about doing different things. And um, over time, I think I'll have less thoughts. Um, but the difference now is that I recognize it, I'm insightful, and I um, can make it so that the thoughts don't translate into any actions of addiction. I'm not going to act out on it. Yeah, do you have any like strategies that you use in order um, before it gets, I don't think it will ever get to that point again, but I think that, you know, when it's in your head, do you have any coping strategies? Um, nothing too, um, like, uh, nothing more complex other than just like recognizing it, it, recognizing it for what it is that it's, you know, like, um, a fantasy thought and just letting it rest at that. That's, yes. That's and having strategy. awareness, right? Having yeah, awareness yeah. is most important thing to have for sure. Yeah. And in your book, there was a, uh, you, you talked about when you were going to the dry cleaners and <laughs> someone yeah. told you something that yeah. you held dear in your heart. Can you share mm -hmm. that? Yes. So after um, the episode where with the tango teacher, where I broke up my family and then um, my husband ended up coming back to me. I was still walking around. I call it soulless. I was exhausted. I was, um, I had, uh, I couldn't regulate my food, my sleep, I, my emotions. I was just a shell of myself. And I truly felt like I didn't have a soul in the world. Some people take your energy or suck your energy and to, to regain your energy and um, basically your soul is what he was saying. All you have to do is say, God is with me. And he said, God is with you, Paulina. And I hope that you feel better knowing that God is with you. And it was like um, instantaneous, like in that moment, it was like, like if something could just go up my body and I was instantly rejuvenated <laughs> and it sounds so far-fetched but it this was real and I walked out of the dry cleaners and I was said God is with me God is with me and it um gave me instant um energy and strength and I felt like my soul like re-entered my body and even though I still had so much healing to do from that moment it was um, critical in in my getting better was was getting my soul back that that day, and and for a person who's like not religious and who had this very tumultuous relationship with God, where I had mostly anger at God, that type of um, experience and that type of that feeling that I had it was it was very real and it's something that. I, I still carry with me. Like I, I, I say God is with me. Like I need God 
Yes. That's so beautiful. I love that. Now we have a lot of listeners that, you know, listen to this podcast that are going through like an addiction. And what would you tell that person, you know, if they're struggling, what to, what advice would you give them? So it's, it's like a three-step process <laughs> to, to recover. Um, the, the first step is, it's similar to like any 12 step program. It's like to, to first declare that you have this problem. So in my situation, I said, I I am a sex addict. I am a food addict. I am completely powerless over these things. I need a higher power to help me overcome. Step two for me was to find a trusted coach because, um, I couldn't make sense of my past and my traumas and everything that happened. just so much anger that I was just a hot mess with that. So step two is finding a person that will help you work through this because I think it's difficult to do on my own, on your own. Like I, I tried with books, with meditation, with affirmation. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't heal myself. I needed help. So that would be step two. And then step three um, is to declare yourself free from the addiction. So, which is different from, I think, um, ultimately, and I'm not, the expert on 12-step recovery programs, but um, I don't think that they have that as the last step where you can say, I am not a sex addict and I am not a food addict. And the reason why that step to me is important is because um, it it means that you don't live down to that, to acts of the addiction. If, if I said, I am, I am a food addict, it would kind of be almost like an excuse for me to eat out of control more often than I do. And, and I still do. I still have, uh, whereas, you know, like I don't have, I don't act out on my sex addiction, but I do act out on my food addiction. I definitely, I go through, you know, a, a container of ice cream. I'll go, I'll hit the chips, but I don't, um, identify myself as I'm a food addict. Or I'm a disordered eating person that I say I used to have this, um, and that is because, um, just like I said, I don't, I don't want to live down. It's so much better now than it used to be. Yes. And that's the whole thing that I didn't like AA at all is because you, you would go there and you felt like so shameful because you had to say, oh, I'm Gina, I'm an alcoholic. But I was already done with alcohol. I was just trying to do that program and just didn't resonate with me. I was like, so I totally understand what you're, what you're, what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but I am so happy and so proud of you that you've taken the Mm -hmm. steps to be where you're at right now. And then to share your story. And I'm sure the book was writing. The book was therapeutic for you. Absolutely. Yes. And I hope, what, what, can I just like flash it? This is this, it has the little phase that I painted it. Um, It's called the secret life as a sex addict, how I repaired the damage and it's on online on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, any online bookstore. And um, I write on, with my pen name, Paulina Pantileva, P-A-N-T-Y-L-E-V-A. And you can also, my, my email is pantes333 at gmail.com. It's spelled P-P-A-N-T-I-E-S, 333 at gmail. In case anybody wants to share their stories, I would love to hear it. But um, I think one day I will come out maybe with my real name and who I am. But um, 
not there yet, but one day. Yes. In your own time, in your own time, no rush. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I will definitely have your information in the show notes where our guests can go ahead and get your book. I read it and I loved it. Very, very, so very raw material. <laughs> definitely some raw material. Yeah. But I love how you're so transparent and I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Paulina. Thank you, Gina. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. If you're loving what you're hearing, go ahead and check out the links in the show notes. And if you're aligned to leave a five-star review, thank you.